And ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for your main event. In this corner, from parts unknown, coming in at a combined weight of 532 pounds, the J-Brown Express. And in this corner, utilizing the free bird rule, your tag team champions of the world. At a combined weight of 832 pounds, the Brothers in Cage. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Brothers in Kayfabe podcast. That is a horrible thing, and I am El Gigante, Jake Keel, one of your aforementioned Brothers in Kayfabe. To my left, well, your left, my right, I guess, I don't know, in the virtual Zoom ring. Mr. Rasslin, Landon Bumgarner. What's going on, Landon? What's going on, Jake? It is good to be back, as always, here in the Brothers in Kayfabe studio, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, whether it's in front of a studio audience. We'll see what happens one day. I'm doing good. We've got a lot to talk about. So if you're part of our Patreon, which is only $5 a month, and you mm. only gain content. You never lose content. There's a lot of stuff uh, you've actually been filming uh, today in the last couple of days that's about to go up there. We have an exclusive vlog. But most importantly, you will see the 20 to 30 minute uh, debacle of conversation we have uh, before we go live, so to speak, on the podcast. So I encourage get, you to sign that up. You get privy to the booking meeting, <clears throat> brother. It's true. You get offered a brownie, and maybe a second brownie, because why can't yeah. two gentlemen have another brownie once in a while? <laughs> you know, I I hate to start this off on a sour note, but um, Bobby Eaton passed away the other day. I was listening to Jim Cornette this morning uh, because it popped up on YouTube. And I love Jim Cornette's work, I've said that before, don't like Jim Cornette the person. To hear him speak about Bobby Eaton and the guy barely made it through the intro and I I watched for 30 minutes, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it anymore just because I was going to start crying um, of them just telling stories of Bobby Eaton. What, what a cool guy he sounded like he was. Um. His wife was the daughter of Bill Dundee. I found that out today. Didn't know that. Apparently, he had um, prohibited her from dating any of the boys. And whenever he found out she was, he goes, where is that son of a... And she, they're like, oh, well, she's dating Bobby, Bobby Eaton. And he goes, well, if you're going to pick one, that was the one to do it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So... Rest in peace, Bobby Eaton. It's, you know, it's sad. I, I, I need to dial up some uh, Midnight Express matches and, and see, uh, see the guy because it's, I, I haven't watched a lot of him. But, you know, it's just, it's sad. And it's a sad deal when someone passes away, but it, it really just got me listening to Jim Cornette talk about it. And now 
as y'all all know, I watched the wrestling app on TV. The Macho Man Randy Savage just came up on my screen. So, and the beautiful Miss Elizabeth. So, and there you go. And we'll both always be watching wrestling while we were on. And today, I've got Slammiversary 2006 uh, playing. Maybe we'll see Mr. Commissioner Jim Cornette show up at some point, but it was a pretty stacked card. King of the Mountain match. Samoa Joe versus Scott Steiner. Yeah. Tag titles on the line. Kevin Nash versus a bunch of X Division guys. The Bingo Hall Brawl. The Dudleys versus the New Age Outlaws. And I am currently watching Saturday night's main event. Macho Man Randy Savage versus George the Animal Steel. Hey, there you go. It is sad to think. <clears throat> I think the only uh, is George Steele still alive. I I don't think so. I'm gonna double check because historically I've <laughs> I've been really bad about legends. Yeah. For instance, I think I've shared this on the pod before. I thought that Billy Graham died in like 2004. <laughs> no, and he's very much alive to see, <laughs> to see him. It's like, Whoa, wait, how's this guy still doing stuff? George Steele did pass away in 2017. So everybody in this ring right now has passed away. It's, it's macho man. It's Liz. Uh, it's George and captain Lou Albano. And it's just kind of, it's kind of sad watching some of this stuff, knowing that they're all gone, but you know, well, they leave their work as memory. So, well, that's like, as of this year, every member of the Heenan family was it, gone. That's true. That's true. The, I was listening to, uh, bringing up Heenan's something to wrestle the other day and they did, um, uh, their mailbag, their ask, uh, Ask Bruce anything. Couldn't think of his name for some reason. Just just don't (laughs) add the T. (laughs) And yeah, don't put the T on his name. Put the T on your back. Um he was someone asked uh who he would want to induct him into the WWE Hall of Fame. And first off, he goes, Well, I'm never gonna let that happen. I don't want to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, but number two, he said, the only person that I would ever want to induct me, uh, would be Bobby Heenan. Mm. And he goes, that can't happen. So, and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, but, uh, speaking of mailbags, um, we got something to plug. We, uh, made our own mailbag. It's Google voice number. and. uh it's a 203-340-1352. Call it and uh, leave us a little voicemail. Let us know uh, what you'd like to ask the brothers, what we are watching, you know, any question you have for us. And we'll listen to it live on the air. Um, explain the reason why the number is a 203 area code number there, uh, Landon. So obviously, <clears throat> unless you're just a mark, if you want to be in the business, you want the call to go up to New York, but not really New York. You want the call to come from a 203 number, which is historically known for being Connecticut. 
Stanford numbers were taken, but thankfully there was a Greenwich, Connecticut number. And so we've got that. Once again, it's 203-340-1352. We'll have that um, in the description of this episode as well as uh, the Facebook post. But the reason we're doing this is because, folks, you're listening to this. You know this already. This is episode 20 of season two. Now, Jake and I have been discussing it, and we are going to do 22 episodes of season two. So that means we got two weeks left of this season. After episode 22 airs, we're going to take a two-week break, and then we're going to come guns a-blazing, pyro off. This is the road to WrestleMania in a way. We're kicking off season three hard and heavy, and we want to let you guys be a part of the show. Um, and so one of the reasons we set this number up is on the season three debut episode. You know, if you've got a wrestling story you want to tell, if you've got a question you want to ask or a memory you want to share, this is your opportunity to do that and be a part of the season three kickoff. I mean, for those of you who have been wrestling fans for a long time, like if you went to a <clears throat> autograph signing and had, uh, an interesting experience. Like maybe you ask Kane to choke slam you, or <laughs> maybe you ask something and then it turns out you really offended the person you were asking. Or if it's like, Hey, this is the weirdest wrestling show I ever saw. Whatever it is, we want to hear from you guys. We want you to be a part of the show as well. The road to brother fest is upon us. Ooh, brother fest. I like that. Jake, you got to make us a graphic of that. Oh, that's happening. That needs to be a big show that we pull off. We need to, you know, maybe do a live on Facebook show. <laughs> brother Fest. We bring in all our brothers, our good brothers, our good sisters. And we have Brother Fest live on Facebook. I, I genuinely think we do that. Maybe that can be sometime in season three. We'll get that scheduled out and uh, ready to go. And wow. WrestleMania three is now on my screen. Hey, um, I, I just saw Rhino Gore, Scott Demore, the Gore Scott Demore. So, who is that? One of the nasty boys? No, I. Who was with Jimmy Hart during uh, WrestleMania three? That's a good question. Um, it looked like one of the nasty boys for a second, but they're not there. That's, um, uh, Adrian Adonis. Ah, there you go. I was Adrian about to say, Adonis. it's gotta be someone flamboyant. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, anyway, back to our regular, regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> um, we've got a lot to talk about today. We do. We do. And got- go ahead. I was going to say, we've got some maybe not fun stuff we're going to talk about, um, but you do have some good news to talk about. I have some good news. You do. Speaking of our boy, Scott Demore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I was like, what are you leading to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, I have been brought on by uh, a website to start covering uh impact on thursday nights and so 
Um, I'm going to be working with wrestlingnewsource.com and I will be covering Impact every Thursday. So all the big moments get a write up from yours truly, El Gigante. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. They're going to train me this week on uh, how to use their website. And uh, yeah, we're going to go from there. It's going to be awesome. Um, Really excited. It's a voluntary deal. So it's not like I'm going to be getting paid. I'm getting a hot dog and a handshake, but Hey, you know, it's getting into the business. It's going to be nice. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun little deal. I've been wanting to watch more impact and now I've made it my job to watch impact. So there you go. Hey, you're paying your dues. Yeah, I'm definitely paying my, my dues, but, well, uh, you can also, you can come over and watch vintage impact with me at any time. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, yeah, the WrestleMania three, it's a uh, Adonis versus Piper. Piper just came out to a huge pop. So that's, that's fun. But, uh, yeah, that, that's some great news. Um, like I said, I've been wanting to watch more, um, impact. There's a lot of people I like over there, especially now that they're doing a lot of work with AEW. It's just, it's cool to see that cross promotion there. So, um, anyway, let's, let's get into the bad. Let's get into it. And then we can end on some highs. We can. So as y'all probably know, WWE released some more uh, personnel this week. I'm not going to call them superstars. They're not superstars. They're employees. I know companies fire employees all the time, but I, I don't know what's going on over here. I don't know what is happening. They said that this is going to be a, a common practice going forth. What say you, Landon? So I saw a <clears throat> a graph this week that said since um was it Black Friday of or Black Tuesday of 2020, uh, whenever yeah. like Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, all those kind of guys uh got cut, EC3, Eric right. Young. All those guys got cut since those cuts during 2020. And remember, initially it was said that was to help with costs during COVID, but <clears throat> miraculously, 2020 was WWE's most profitable year in 2021's even more profitable since that. But since that date of April uh, 2020, there's been over 100 employees either wrestlers or uh, corporate employees released by wwe y'all see this this is how many faces have been released this year and That's those just are just wrestlers yeah those are just wrestlers and announcers some of them deserved it some of them needed to be fired i get that like people deserve to get fired sometimes not that they deserve to lose their job but play dumb games you win dumb prizes like, yeah and i hate that but it's how it works it's, there are a lot of people on here that it's you do not deserve to not have a job mm -hmm. and it's it's so interesting you brought up a good point <clears throat> uh it's it's the nature of the beast i mean post wrestlemania roster cuts have always been a thing in wwe yeah. especially yeah. uh with them absorbing WCW and ECW, but it's never been as it's never been to this random. extent. Yeah. Because in the past, it's always been like, Hey, 
you know, there's nothing for you guys. We're going to let you go to whereas, you know, like him or hate him, like Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, guys who, I mean, Braun Strowman was in one of the main events of WrestleMania last year. Yeah. And is gone. And I understand a lot of it is to increase the profit margins of like, hey, well, now we're not paying this dude, you know, seven figures. And, but to have that in the same grouping as like, oh, there's someone that's been signed to NXT for five years, but they've been injured, you know, 4.8 years. Chelsea Green is a perfect uh, analogy to that. Like, how long has she been in developmental? Three years or so, I'd say. And she's worked a handful of matches. She's been injured. And, but for a big part of that, she was called up to the main roster, but they just had her sitting. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so yeah, we probably should cut that person loose and let them go work somewhere else. But like, I, what I'm tired of is, is this company continually going, well, we got something for you, pal. We got something for you, pal. We, we're going to call you up to the main roster up. Ah, here's your walking papers. Like, yeah, the, I, we've talked about it a lot on here before. Um, but there's just such a disconnect between NXT and WWE. I mean, you look at the history of WWE developmental um, to where they really didn't have a specific farming system for mm-hmm. the longest time. And then with the help of like killer Kowalski and Dory Funk jr. They kind of start to set it up, but then really whenever you get OVW involved and it's like, okay, here's, here's a farm system to where not only are they training in classes, but they're doing live shows, both TV and just like house shows every week. And then Obviously, you have Deep South, but then Deep South is very short-lived. And then it's like, okay, um, we're going to hang tight in OVW again for a little bit, but it's completely different ownership. And now we're going to send you guys to FCW, right? which becomes NXT. And it's NXT as a whole. I mean, we could do an entire episode about how it's changed i think in some ways good and some ways bad yeah because it started out as okay well it's our developmental system because we bought out fcw so that's where they're training and but we're also going to do wwe.com exclusive shows right okay well now we're going to scrap that and it's going to be Strict or actually, so it starts off, it's the training sessions and then the weird game show. Right. And then that ends. And then they're like, well, okay, we've got some guys like Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Chris Hero. Okay. We're going to do live shows on WWE.com. We're not going to advertise them or anything. You know, here's Tyler Black versus Chris Jericho for the NXT championship. Right. We're not going to advertise it or anything like that. And then the the curious thing for me is, okay, that's their developmental system. Awesome. They've got some coaches down there. They've got Bill DeMont. They've got uh, Matt Bloom. They've got those kind of guys. And now, obviously, the way it's progressed, you've got Scotty Tuhati, William right. Regal, all, all kinds of guys. Shawn Michaels. Down there. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. 
you have Undertaker going in training on and off. And when they decide, okay, we're going to start doing weekly TV for NXT, it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be good practice for them because OVW did TV, Deep South did TV, FCW did TV. And then there's a little bit of danger when it goes from this is the developmental brand to, okay, this is our third brand and we're going to compete with Raw and SmackDown, which at times when they have good star power, it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, Drew McIntyre is the head of NXT. Right. Drew could go toe-to-toe with anyone on the main roster, as we've seen. Yeah. But then it's like, well, okay, okay, they don't want to be treated like developmental, but they are developmental. And there's also, you know, we get to see the same you know, I'd say the same 20 people on NXT TV, but then there's the other 80 to 150 that are signed to NXT and in the performance center training, some for years and years um, that aren't doing anything. And there's such a, a disconnect. It's, it's hard for me. And I, I don't know, cause I'm not, obviously I'm not involved with NXT, but it, it's almost like there's, Triple H's favorites, right? That are going to get treated really good, and there's Shawn Michaels' favorites that are going to get treated good and be featured prominently on NXT, so that they can go to the main roster and already be established as a star. Well, that's that's a crazy part about it, though. Is a lot of the people they would call up didn't really do anything on the on the NXT roster, like. Chelsea Green, again, I, I hate to keep bringing her. She barely did anything. Mm-hmm. And then they said, oh, we're calling her up. And then she was behind backstage for six months. You know, right. but like. <clears throat> Which that's a crazy point to think about, because you're right. And and you can talk about this, uh, how. The stars in NXT go to the main roster and are not stars. And then the people who were nothing in NXT come up. And I mean, Humberto, uh, Angel Garza, and those guys to where it's like Austin Theory. Yeah, it's like these are nobodies in NXT. And there was one of the reasons I quit watching Raw is like, I'm tired of seeing a six man tag every week with these guys. Right. But then they go back to NXT and it's like, well, now I've been on the main roster. So now I am a star. Uh, It's insane. Just the if if NXT continued how it was, Ricochet could go down there and be champion right now. Right. But on the main roster, he is the guy we call to to lose. How is a guy like that getting underutilized? A guy that can literally do anything you ask him to do. And and that's the thing I don't understand is because there's people obviously on the main roster, it all comes down to how creative sees you. Yeah. Which as we know, the creative team as the last stuff I've seen about it is it's up to 30 members at any given time. And that's a constant revolving door. But then obviously now that Bruce is back, Bruce and Vince and Stephanie get final say on right. stuff. <clears throat> and, and it's just crazy because all I think historically with WWE's direction, 
I don't think you could put Ricochet in the world champion spot because they're going to say, oh, well, Rey Mysterio's already done that. You know, CM Punk's already done that. But it's like, well, what about Ricochet being like the guy to carry the mid card? Like, why is Ricochet not US champion or IC champion? Right. And you have so many people like like Shinsuke. It's like, okay, maybe Shinsuke shouldn't be world champion. Um, but why is he? I mean, thankfully now, like they're starting to do stuff with Shinsuke. Right. But, but you just have that whole mess of people to where um I just I think WWE is the perfect example of there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Definitely. Because you have what Triple H wants, you have what Stephanie wants, you have what Vince wants, you have what the creative team wants. And there, I I mean, how many times do we see the stuff where it's like, oh, uh, Raw was just rewritten two hours before it went live right. on air? Well, and it, it's just insane because that's how W, that's not how WWE has been historically, but that's how it's been primarily the last. 10 years, I'd say. Well, and it's crazy, and it might just be Vince. We it might be Vince, it might be Bruce. We don't know who it is. But all we ever hear is Vince wants this big superstar to carry the Japanese market. He wants this big Indian star to carry the India India market. He wants a big Mexican star to carry the Mexican market. But he never gives someone time to materialize that mm-hmm. Shinsuke Nakamura was so over when he came to the main roster, that entire arenas hummed his theme song. And then they decided that they were going to make him the artist and let them be who they are. That's why the attitude era was so great in our hindsight, because most of those guys were who they were. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were emphasized versions of that. I mean, perfect example is Stone Cold Steve Austin versus the Ringmaster right. and the Rock versus Rocky Maivia. If it were today, the Rock would have been his NXT character and Rocky Maivia would have been his main roster character and he would have never gotten over and he wouldn't have been allowed to get re- over. And it, and here's the, I think the most frustrating thing is because everyone has an opinion on this, but none of us are in that system. So we don't really know how it goes. Right. And I think like, that's the most infuriating thing. Cause it's like, okay, is this Vince punishing NXT talent because of the way triple H is like trying to make it his own thing versus what it, what the original wow. plans were be with. Cause I think, I think you can point to a real clear change whenever NXT, I mean, years back when they said, okay, we're going to plan to do an NXT UK, an NXT Japan, South America, and NXT India, and all these places to harvest talent. Right. And it's like, well, you already have way too many people signed to NXT that aren't even being, especially, so I've been very vocal about how I was very big into NXT when it first started just because it was fresh. It was different. And there were a couple of guys when it first started airing on the network in 2014 that were on there that I was like, uh, what's his name? 
Tito Samboli or whatever his name is, super buff, former. Yeah, I remember uh, him. I want to say he played for the Saints. I can't remember for sure. I'd have to look it up, but <clears throat> just super jacked guy, super talented, like looks, I mean, not to be cliche, but like looks like he could be a movie star. Um, and then obviously he got, he had some concussion issues, but it's like, okay, well, he's still signed to NXT, but he's not going to be on TV for the next five years. And then we're going to let him go. Tino Sabatelli. Okay. Does it say who he played for? He played for the Buccaneers and the Browns and the Chiefs. Okay, there you go. But you have so many people like that. And it's like, I mean, even uh, Chris Chris Hero, you know, (laughs) being signed in 2012. And then whenever they start working on the shift from, okay, we're going to, quit running NXC in the floor in we, the FCW arena. We don't have anybody named Chris Hero here. There's a Cassius, Cassius Ono. And it's just like uh I mean he sat on the sideline and did nothing. And I I think one of the you know regardless of what your opinion is, I've I've talked about it before. There was a video from the performance center of Sami Zayn yelling at Triple H. Somebody filmed it on their Android. And he's <laughs> like, how the heck does Yoshi Tatsu have a, have a job and is on TV every week, but Chris Hero gets a let go? Exactly. And it's, <clears throat> it, it's just like that with a lot of people. There's, I mean, how many times... If you go on WWE.com, chances are at least once a month, you're going to see the picture of like, hey, here's the latest batch of people signed to WWE, especially when they go overseas, like before COVID. It's like, hey, here's the 30 people we signed in Saudi Arabia. Here's the 30 people we signed in India. And it's like, cool. Now you 400 people signed technically to NXT that are doing nothing yeah, it's it. They might be training every day, and if they're there for multiple years and they're still not TV ready, then they need to be let go and go right. somewhere where they can be made TV ready. I, especially these guys from other sports, <clears throat> like mm-hmm. I, you, you bring up Tino. He was with WWE since 2014. Okay, gets released last year on Black Tuesday or that week goes and does one match with AEW. He was the one that supposedly everyone thought was going in and trying to steal ideas from AEW for WWE gets rehired on October 16th, 2020, and then got released in June. It's, it just does not make, what are we doing now? There have been a handful of people who have been let go and rehired. Part of me thinks it's because they're like, hey, we're not willing to pay you that much, so we're going to let you go. We can negotiate it. Like, for instance, Samoa Joe was released, and now Samoa Joe's back. Well, supposedly Samoa Joe, Triple H got pissed when they let him go because he was like, I could use him. Yeah. But now, from what it sounds like NXT is going to be, they're not even going to use them down there. Yeah. And I think that's 
That's what it, and part of that with Joe specifically, I mean, you could almost see it with Finn Balor, even though he's back up on the main roster now, which is <clears throat> weird is, you know, we know Vince's trust issues with guys that get hurt at crucial moments. And I mean, there's, I mean, how many times have we seen it where someone gets hurt, they relinquish the title and it's like, okay, well, you're not getting that back. Never either again. ever again or for a really long time because you've got to build that trust We're, and cr- credibility. And but We're seeing it right now with Finn. Yeah. And part of me that, uh, and I want to bring up this, there was an alleged report. And obviously anything Meltzer says or any is a online reporter said, yeah, everything. Cause either, you know, or you don't, unless uh, it was literally transcripted from TV. Yeah. And that's the thing with, with any dirt sheet stuff, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind unless WWE confirms or denies it. And one of the things that Meltzer allegedly said uh, in regards to one of the big WWE meetings this week was the wording in regards to NXT and developmental being scrapped and re, uh, redone is no more midgets no one's starting in their 30s and they want people who can be a box office attraction and main characters and so there's a lot of interesting takes on this there's aspects of it i agree with there's some i disagree with um it's hard to get i understand uh both sides to to not everybody can be a bodybuilder um, and six foot four. Right. And the reason I think honestly, the reason you're getting a lot less of those just in general, besides just the, the business itself changing is wrestling doesn't appeal as much to the masses to where, why would a bodybuilder want to be a wrestler now? Because it's right. like, Oh, I didn't know that was still on. Right. I didn't know that was still a thing. The thing about the age I I agree with and disagree with uh, for the reason of Diamond Dallas Page becomes yeah. world champion at 35. Batista getting in in his late 30s. Um, I think there's a place historically because we've seen it with WWE and with their stars. Um, I mean, Steve Austin and The Rock... <coughs> Where, well, I guess The Rock was quite a bit younger being signed, but it's like Stone Cold wasn't Stone Cold and rookie. kicked tires for 10 years. Yeah. Like, you need the established... And historically, some of the best stars well, um, in WWE have been people who they cut their chops elsewhere and came in. I mean, you look at Hogan, you look at Flair, yeah. you look at uh, Steamboat, you look at Macho Man, you look at all those guys. Now, you do have rare cases where you have someone like John Cena who's like, well... He's <clears> only <throat> ever worked for the... Yeah, rest, like went to wrestling school and did their shows and then got signed to OVW. Right. Um, and did that. So you have cases. I I see both sides to it. I think you still have to have the door open to where like, hey, here's so-and-so's, you know, AJ Styles. Here's Impact's top guy they've ever had, like for the last number, twenty years. Yeah, like their homegrown person. It wasn't 
Well, actually, AJ made a name for himself at the last six months of WCW, and that's why it's like, no, like, he, like, AJ and Samoa Joe are TNA homegrown people. You can't right. say Sting. You can't say the Dudleys, Kurt Angle, Christian, any of those guys, Jeff Jarrett, um, because they made their names elsewhere. And so you need the people like that that you can, t- you know, when their contract's up, like, hey, let's talk because you've done a lot of things, but imagine what you could do here. <clears throat> so the thing I'm really stuck on is the the old thing. like. Look at Edge right now, 47 years old. Mm -hmm. He is arguably better than he has ever been in his entire career. That dude is phenomenal. Christian. Now, I know those two are a rare case for the last seven years. They haven't put their bodies through hell. But still, they're both pushing 50 Mm-hmm. And amazing guys in Hogan's era at 50 were couldn't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what's interesting because you've guys going a lot, a lot longer the older they get. And, and here's my stickler I think there's a play, I absolutely think there's a place for older people in wrestling. Because those are the people they, I mean, uh, they say to be a master of something, you have to put in 10,000 hours of work, which equates to about 10 years. So <clears throat> the people who are going to know how to work a crowd have probably been doing it longer than, you know, the six months of wrestling school or of right. training. The caveat uh, to me is you why are there so many older guys in developmental? And I think that's where it gets gray with NXT because it's like, well, is it really developmental? Or is it really more of a third brand? Because, you know, are the guys like uh, Eli Drake, a.k.a. L.A. Knight, who is over 40? I mean, Bobby Fish, like those kind of guys. like even Keith Lee, like they're signing guys who are older. Right. And it, it would make sense. Like, okay, they're ready to go to the main roster, have them do, you know, a couple of weeks or a month of WWE production training. Right. Like let them know where WWE has their cameras placed and all that kind of stuff. Go work WWE style. Yeah. But it's like six months tops. Because if if guys like that, if someone like Bobby Fish, who I, I can't remember, but I want to say it's like 44 or 45. If you have him in training classes throughout the week, then regardless of how talented he is, if you don't believe that <clears throat> he's good enough to be out of developmental, then you need to let him go. Fish is uh, 44. 44. Because it's just like, I, to put that into terms, <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm going to say this because I'm watching it right now. It'd be like, okay, we're going to bring Kevin Nash back. 
and sign him to NXT. He's going to do their training and we're going to give him a second run. We're going to, it's like, but he's got to learn how to get the TNA off of him first. Exactly. It's like he need he needs to know how to work the WWE style and go through 400 camera cuts in two seconds. I, I think out of, out of that alleged comment, that's my biggest take is I don't think there's a problem with age and star power or in building a star out of an older person. Cause I think DDP is the perfect example of that. Right. Um, and Batista too, but they can't, you can't start them at the bottom. Like, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of older guys that work in Oklahoma. <clears throat> you can't sign somebody who is so beat up from the longevity of their career already. And we've seen this with guys that, okay, they finally got signed to WWE. Well, they've needed neck surgery, arm shirt, or yeah. shoulder surgery, leg surgery, knee replacement. Like they've needed that for years. They can, once they get that, like they can still go at the top, but it's like, hey, we gave them the opportunity. You came here and you're all beat up. You can't do it. And I, I think for me, that's the, that's the hardest part to understand. And I think it's because the clarity of NXT has been lost. Well, the problem is, is they let NXT get this way. Mm hmm. Instead of treating it as de de developmental, they leaned into the fact that it was a third brand. Mm -hmm. They should have never put it on TV. Mm -hmm. It should have been on the network only. Now, I know Vince wanted something to compete against Dynamite, and they weren't going to put SmackDown or Raw over there. So NXT got that. But they should have made it to where it was truly developmental where, okay, Adam Cole, you've been here for a year. You're getting called up. Like you were ready to go for TV when you got here. Now you are for sure ready, you know, you're for sure ready to be on TV. Uh, the undisputed era should have been on for two years now. Yeah. That, that's what I don't get is and there's been cases I like AJ did not do NXT. AJ went straight to the main roster. Right. Now you could tell, and I think in AJ's case, it was okay. He has his big debut at the roster. And instead of putting him right in the main event, he hangs out the mid card for a little while to prove that he can get over with the WWE crowd, that his sales reflect that. Right. And then you see the reward of, okay, in 2016, 17, Roman Reigns is Vince's golden child. So now, AJ, you're going to be in a world title program with Roman for four months. But then you have people who, I mean, even Drew McIntyre, he gets re-signed after having a really successful run in Impact and a lot of smaller companies. But now he is to go to NXT. You get the biggest one for me, I think, is EC3, where yeah. he, outside of AJ, Abyss, and Samoa Joe, 
EC3 was teeing, especially for that era, the post Hogan uh, Bischoff era, when the Dixie every, Carter era. Yeah. When people are like, oh, yeah, like TNA's dead. It's been dead for a while. It's bad enough that Hogan Bischoff left, um, but Dixie's still kind of running it. And it's like, you have the greatest character. Now, I think one of the things that hurt him is how long he was in WWE developmental before going to TNA. See, <clears throat> but it. Go ahead. But I was just going to say, he shows he can talk on the mic. He has the physique. He has the in-ring ability, the marketability. And then he comes to WWE and it's like, okay, well, let's put him in NXT where only a handful of people are going to see him. (sighs) And then they eventually brought him up to the main roster. And I think, I can't remember for sure, so don't hold me to this, but I want to say EC3 said, he had four, either four or six matches on TV from the time he was called up to the main roster and was released. It was not many. It was not many at all. But that's the thing is AJ is an anomaly. We, we, can't, we can't judge EC3 to AJ Styles. Right. We're talking about two totally different beasts. We can... We can talk about Adam Cole and AJ Styles in the same breath. But I think the thing with Drew was, I don't know if Vince trusted him after his first run with the company. And so he was like, well, we're going to send him down there with you, Trip, And uh, he's going to go down there with you, uh, Hunter. And you're going to, we're going to make sure he's ready to go. And so, and Drew wasn't down there very long. He wasn't, and surprisingly had a decent run. Yeah. But then also, you see him called up to the main roster, and once again, I think it's the proving himself to Vince, gaining Vince's trust. is like, okay, well, now you're going you're gonna to be with Dolph Ziggler. Right. The most over main eventer we've ever had. Gosh. And it's like, I, how has Dolph Ziggler not been fired yet? That's another thing is like, I love Dolph Ziggler. He's don't get a, me wrong. He's a great hand for his, his spot on the show. Is he that great of a hand to where it's like, Hey, we can't like, we can't afford to let anyone take him from us. Uh, Cause we need him. But it's like, is how he great of a hand. That's the thing. But the way they use them, why do they still have them? Yeah. It's like, is, I mean, if you need people to be in your, like to be your reoccurring enhancement talent, like keep them that way. Cause otherwise if you're going to make them a world champion, but then put him back in that situation, it makes it look bad that you ever made him a world champion. Because it's like, oh, hey, that guy, you know, the guy who everyone flips the channel whenever he's on or like if it's a Ziggler versus someone match at a show, that's probably when you're going to go look at the merch stand <coughs> because you're going to you're not going to go during the main event or stuff like that. And it's like. So does everyone get to be world champion regardless of. Their spot on the card. It's right. Like we said, the whole thing is frustrating. One thing I'm really curious about, and 
I'm trying to figure out how to word this because I it might be kind of a controversial take. I don't think WWE is for everyone as far as career goes. Obviously, I think for a lot of people, like in a perfect world, that's where you would be and that's where you would be successful because chances are that's what got you into wrestling just because of their presence. And one of the, I'm thinking of this in terms of the music industry. It's like, man, like how great would it be to be signed to Warner Brothers or Universal? But being signed to Warner or Universal means, like it or not, you have to work for those people. And you have to produce. Yeah. And you have to go with their vision, even if it's different than yours. And that's a very frustrating thing. And that's a very hard thing. And at times it's a very stupid, unfair thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like you people have said, like, you know, the WWE, like you're playing in Vince McMahon's sandbox when you go to WWE and is like, who's ever in charge. That's who it is. And people can have different things. Now, let's say Stephanie and Triple H take over. Now you're in their sandbox. Or let's say. Shane takes over. You're in his sandbox. Board of directors takes over. You're in their sandbox. And like with WCW, okay, you're now you're in Dusty's sandbox. Okay. Now you're in Jim Hurd's. Now you're in Flair's. Now you're in Eric's. Well, now you're in Kevin right. Nash's again. Okay. Now you're in AOL Time Warner's and we're closing the doors in two months. It's just like I think that's the hard thing. That doesn't mean it's right. Um, but I think that's the sucky part of like, Hey, you want to go to the NFL, you have to play by the NFL's rules, right? Whether you agree with them or not, like that's the, that's the horrible reality of working for those people. Like, it's not like you get to go to the NFL and it's like, well, that's not how I play football. Tough it's, crap. It's like, well, too bad. If you want to play here, that's what you got to do. And that's oh. the frustrating thing because, I mean, with with movies and stuff, it's, I mean, we we don't need to get into the dark side of it, but like abusive power to where it's like, well, how bad do you want to be a movie star? Cause you're going to have to do some horrible things to be a movie star. And it's like, well, that's not right. And it's like, no, it's not. But unfortunately that's, those are the people that hold the, <laughs> the keys to the kingdom and you have, you have to play by the rules and it's, well, it's a bad thing. It's just, it's a situation where Obviously, like the Dolph Ziggler situation is a perfect example. We're talking about a guy who at one point was the most over person in the company. That crowd, when he was a heel, would explode whenever he came out. So in Vince's mind, he's got to bury that guy because he got over on his own accord. It's the Mm -hmm. Zack Ryder complex. Yeah. Zack Ryder got over on his own accord. They gave him a slight push. And then they had Kane literally try to murder him on TV. 
And then he was a goofball for years. And then he gets the icy title out of nowhere. And you think, oh, well, I guess they're turning around, maybe giving this guy a shot. Nope, loses it the next night. What are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I, all we ask is for consistent booking and consistent storylines mm-hmm. and to let the crowd show you who's over. Yeah. And there's, and it's like you said, let the fans decide. And that doesn't mean who, because some cities are louder than others in reactions. I mean, people talk about, you know, you go to New York or Chicago, which are historically smarter crowds. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's where you're going to get the loudest reactions. But if you look at your demographics and ticket sales to where it's like, well, the crowd was, you know, the crowd was louder in this town, but we sold, you know, 4,000 less tickets there. Um, Because I, I think you you have to look at it in terms of like, okay, who's selling the most merch? You know, <clears throat> who is the, who's being requested for interviews and TV appearances and all that kind of stuff. Here's my hot take. A lot of people have grown to love Triple H and to see what a nice guy yeah. he is. And the hard thing is, because once again, once again, we don't know him personally. We can't talk it. We, we don't know how he is. But seeing the Triple H is one of the greatest politicians in WWE history. Oh, yeah. I mean, the way I because I, after he took the, the punishment for the click, but the way he successfully where he whether he liked it or not, politics his way into his positions, the way that he was always on top, even though there were bigger stars. Um, I mean, the stuff with uh, him getting together with Stephanie and coincidentally, China no longer had a career right after that and was blackballed. Um, and that's before she made some very um, inappropriate decisions in her life and all that kind of stuff. But it's like with NXT, Triple H has done everything in his power to prove he's a nice guy and he's a good guy. And, he, you know, he's the dad of NXT. You know, he, right. everyone who goes to NXT, you get your property of WWE developmental shirt and you get your finger point picture with Triple H and you'll probably get a, an Instagram post or a tweet from Triple H about it. But then this past week, uh, Zach Ryder, well, now Matt Cardona has a really good podcast um, where he's going over he because it's the ten year anniversary of his YouTube show, yeah. uh, Z Chuong, True Long Island Story, and he's essentially doing a reflection. If you've ever listened to the Office Ladies podcast or the Sopranos podcast, it's like that. Doing a not a watch along, but he watches it and then he records a podcast about buy the seed stuff. And one of the things that came out is uh, with the internet championship and with a character like Zack Ryder, you either love him or hate him. And it's like, well, he wore the one legged tights or he spiked his hair. Like he was an idiot. And it's like, well, good. Like his job, the reason he wore one legged tights is so people would despise him for how like horrible it looked. 
Um, but in a nutshell, he had the internet championship to run as a gimmick of like, oh, like, you know, I'm so full of myself. My ego is so big as a character. Why wouldn't I think I'm the king of the internet and I'm the, the world champion of the internet? And so he had a belt made to start using and brought it out, showed it to the boys. Everyone loves it. And Triple H in front of everyone says, you were such a mark for yourself. If you were to do that in the locker room 10 years ago, you'd get beaten up for it. And he was like, well, everyone in the locker room loves me. I mean, John Cena, the biggest name in the company. Wanted to work with him. Yeah. Is such a fan of Zack Ryder and is retweeting his show, um, is posting his stuff, is cameoing like as he's world champ and all that. And then Triple H, word for word, says, yeah, and that's the you're the reason houses are half empty now. And just a statement like that of Triple H, for whatever reason, um, has always been protective of his spot and his legacy. Oh, and I definitely. think... I think you see some of that in both NXT and WWE to where when you have the people who are like, yeah, uh, Triple H 100% buried me. Like Triple H is the reason I got fired or why I never got these opportunities or whatever. Um, Or, you know, the angle was supposed to go this way and then Triple H conveniently had an idea where, well, it'd make more sense if I went over. Right. Right. and then conveniently that person gets released right away. Um, and you just, you have that dynamic to his character and his personality. And I think, and like I said, I don't know. I've never met the guy. I've never had a conversation with him. We don't really know who the real triple H is, but I think a lot of NXT and him being so proud of these guys is to preserve his public legacy of like, Oh, like triple H wouldn't bury people like that. Like that's why he's working so hard in NXT to make these stars and give these guys the opportunity to, to show who they are. And it's like, well, he's either preserving his legacy. So no one reaches the triple H level. Right. Or he's trying to get people off the scent of, Oh no. Whenever he started getting power in 2011, all of a sudden you see Triple H thrown into main event level. Like even uh, with the summer of punk, there's no reason for triple storyline wise. There's no reason for triple H to be involved. Um, right. Even in <clears throat> like promo segments, just some of the, the reactions triple H is giving and just some of this body language. It's like, he's trying to do everything he can to bury CM Punk in that situation as far as, okay, well, it's no longer going to be CM Punk versus me. It's going to be me versus Kevin Nash. And that's where the story is going to go and the focus is going to go. It's like you bring Kevin Nash back, which like, that's huge. You look at the reaction he got at the Royal Rumble and you mean to tell me the only thing you could have done with Kevin Nash was for him to lose to Triple H. Right. It's like, 
Oh, and they didn't even have a match. Well, they had, they had the sledgehammer ladder match where you climb, you get the, and once again, he hits Kevin Ash, Kevin Ash loses and like, and Oh, there's no way he's going to recover because he got hit in the head with a sledgehammer and fell through tables. And then you don't see Kevin Ash until the hall of fame years later, but it's like, Hey, here's an idea. Why don't we do Kevin Ash versus big show? Or why don't we do Kevin Ash versus Mark Henry or Hey, Kevin Ash is going to challenge for the world title similar to like the, the, excuse me, the Goldberg Brock edge Cena part-timer role. And I don't know, that's just my take. And I say that as a fan of triple H, the character and stuff, I mean, I hated him when he was in evolution and he screwed my boy, Randy. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, you have a person with that personality in triple H. We all know Stephanie's personality. We all know Vince's personality. We know the horrible mess that the creative team is and that there's people like the ultimate warrior's wife that have no logical reason to ever be in a creative writing process. Right. You have people that have never watched any wrestling product. And the reason I say that's dangerous. uh, So Vince Russo, I love him or hate him. He talked about how he did like he was writing a TV show, not a wrestling show. Right. But the thing that helped him was he used to watch wrestling right like he knew what wrestling was so he knew how to write for those characters versus like oh like well that guy's funny we should have him do funny stuff and it's like well that guy's not supposed to be funny that guy's supposed to be like one of the most lethal people on the roster i don't know all that to say it's wwe uh the product continues to get worse and worse as the ratings continue to go up. Uh, is that to say that everything they produce is awful? No, there's no. still some great moments that happen. There's still Smackdown some awesome is pretty good yeah. right now. Like it's can, there's things that continue to happen that are good. I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I don't know what developmental is going to look. I do think, and we've talked about it before that they've done a bad job of making their main event, like larger than life, like blockbuster stars, like Roman Roman reigns, obviously is your closest. And if Roman's your top heel, who's going to be the top baby face to work with him. Right. That, I mean, when people, you know, with Roman being in Hobbs and Shaw, that like, you see Roman on a talk show and it's like, Oh, like I believe that dude's like a star. Like I would watch him mess somebody up. And it's like, who, who's, who's the counterpart to that. And I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'll say, I've said this before. I don't watch. I don't watch really. I really, I don't watch any wrestling live uh, at all. Um, 
I'll still, I still stay up to date. I check results of everything. I'll catch highlights on Twitter and Instagram. Like I'm aware of what's going on, but just for me, there's not a, and some shows are better than others. There's not a show out there right now that I can justify sitting down for two hours or sitting down for three hours, uh, one night a week, let alone multiple nights a week, uh, to consume that when I'm be like, well, I can just catch the highlights and be just as satisfied as if I sat through two hours to see the two minutes I wanted to see. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm that way with AEW. I could watch every week, the whole show live. Um, but you know, there's definitely not the pro for me is just what we've been talking about is that I could watch be entertained, but I feel, I don't feel like I want to watch it because of what they do to their, you know, like I was saying earlier, like they're let it get to Vince decided whether you want to believe it or not block a W from signing a bunch of talent. So they and everybody to super deal. Mm-hmm. And now it's backfired because he's going, well, I gotta, gotta get rid of some of these bad contracts. We signed Braun Strowman to a $50 million deal, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, that's your fault. Mm -hmm. Was Braun worth that? Probably not, but you gave it to him. Like, and now they're probably going to re-sign him under a smaller contract. Mm -hmm. It's just, reading um alistair black a little bit ago he signed a pretty big deal so that they would keep him out of the hands of AEW back in and they had just started heating him back up on tv and (laughs) literally (laughs) like he his wife had just re-signed with the company because worked there so that they could travel together and right after she re-signs they let him go Mm -hmm. he got the last laugh on that that they didn't update his contract when he came up from nxt because he still only had a 30-day no compete yeah so he was sitting and people are going to be free because he hasn't set out 90 days yeah so it's just, I don't know. I think WWE's gotten too corporate for their own good. Mm-hmm. And in the words of Punk, when McMahon is no longer there, that company will be better. Maybe, maybe not. And that, that's the scary thing is because... <clears throat> Obviously, Vince McMahon gets the final say in everything, but it's like, what is going on that there's so much, like, to where everything that it seems like every employee has a different opinion. And I mean that from a, uh, like, a staff perspective, not a competitor perspective, but a management perspective. It's like, okay, I have a feeling there's more than one person that has a bad opinion or bad direction. 
but how is it so bad that every per it's not like, okay, there's two, you know, it's a 50, 50, this way, 50, 50, this way going back and forth. It's like, well, no, it's 10 things from 10 different directions, all pushing. But at the end of the day, Vince gets it. And it's, it's like, like you said, it's gotten too corporate. Here's what made me really sad. Uh, and I'm, I'm at this, this will help us transition to a little bit of a happier thing. Maybe <clears throat> last night I showed my wife beyond the mat for the very first time ever. We watched the demo version that was sent to stores, uh, to see if they were interested in stocking it. Um, shout out to pro wrestler, Johnny Cove for hitting me up with that. Um, and so we watched it on VHS and there's glimpses of Vince in it that show you how passionate he was and how aspiring he was. And I think that once it got to the corporate level, it got pushed kind of like that download or join the Patreon for $5 to see the movements I made with my hand. <laughs> um, and one of the most inspiring moments is there's the infamous shot of him with dude love. And they're just working on vignettes of dude love walking backstage. And he's like, no, like, it's not believable. Like you've got, you're this character who is like so smooth that you could do this. So your body language has got to be smooth. So Vince is teaching him to do that. And then Vince looks in the background and there's a cable and he says, is that cable visible in the shot? Yeah, but still a good shot. That cable cannot be in that shot. We've got to make it. And the director, uh, Barry, he's talking about, he's like, Vince McMahon is adding like movie director levels to the production of the WWE to where it's like, hey, it's got to be, everything we do has to be perfect. Like if we're saying we're the best, then it needs to be the best. But like I said, I think as he started moving vertically, all the corporate and sponsorship stuff has moved him horizontally, if that makes sense. Yeah. To where it's like, well, we can't, we can't do some of the things we used to do because we'll lose sponsors. Or there's bigger sponsors that are going to pay more money, but it's going to worsen our product because we're trying to please them that we're going after. And that's just like a, like at the end of the day, when Vince leaves WWE, he will have been successful in any way you look at it. I mean, the money he's made, like you can only say like, It like it was a success. Now that doesn't mean the product was good the entire time. The question isn't Vince being successful, right? He's a billionaire, right? Yeah. The question is, does he even care about? And I don't mean that in the fact that he doesn't care about the product, but he's too busy. It, what it should be in his own head and not mm-hmm. giving what the fans want to see and 
making more money. It this is something I wish we could see, and I don't think it would ever happen. Uh, because <laughs> like I think Vince McMahon is the definition of an alpha male. Like you can't like the people have always said, Oh, you don't you talk with Vince, you don't ever talk at Vince. Right. And like what would happen? So I don't think he would be willing to let go of control enough, but it's like, what would happen if Vince changed his position in the company to where it was strictly creative? I don't know. Like if he, cause we haven't seen that in forever. Um, cause I, people, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it was, Maybe it was JR, but somebody said that Vince is really good with taking ideas and running with them. He may not be the best at coming up with them, but if it's like, well, oh no, hey, we can work with that. Let's let's do it like this. And it's like, what would happen if he wasn't running the company and he was able to put just all of his brain power? Now he's also in his 70s, so that's a whole other. But it just it just makes me wonder, like, okay, you don't have any of the corporate stuff. Your job is to just be creative. I don't think he knows what moves the needle anymore. And it, it's possible because... I think he's stuck in the 80s and the 90s. I, w- I would also say I think it's a lot harder to read the needle in general outside of... The vo- I, I, I like to call them the vocal minority. Um, and here's what I mean by that. There's the society and culture as a whole, not just wrestling, but everything has been made to move like that just so fast. I mean, you look at the success of TikTok to where you need new content constantly. If you're not uploading daily as a YouTube channel, or as a social media uh, entertainment source, like you are falling behind and you can't, nothing truly satisfies anymore, I'd like to say, when it comes to entertainment. And what I mean by that is if you take time off, that's risky. Like for TV shows, it's like, okay, we'll be back, you know, for long there's a reason uh, there and there's exceptions to that but it's like that's why a lot of tv shows okay we're going to drop one season at a time so you can binge it versus well our fans are going to be outraged if we we have to wait a whole week for the next step of the story and i think with wrestling in general everything you still have valuable moments and emotional moments to a degree. And we've talked about it before. It's hard to do deeply satisfying long time storytelling because the fans aren't willing to wait. And I say that for, for every company, uh, even with AEW, we we've talked about it before with Cody. It's like, Okay, we're we're gonna build to something with Cody, and a week later, the blow off match has already happened, right? And it's going to the next thing, and it's like 
I get it. You that like that's the pace of culture and society. You've got to move faster. And it's like, how do you navigate the thing? Like, is it possible to have the big payoff match where everybody's going to do everything they can to watch it in person? And if they can't, they're going to watch it online. You know, because with the idea of what can we do to make people pay the money to to view this and to see this? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, um, you know, we've talked about it with Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. And it's like, okay, are they real? Deep down, I want to believe they're going to build, build, build to this match. <clears throat> but are they going to, by putting it off or by mixing things up, there's always the risk of the the payoff to it being minimalized. Does that make sense? Hmm. Like literally every WWE match, it's like, okay, hey, we're building to Drew versus Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Right. Okay, so for the next four weeks on Raw, they're going to compete against each other. Well, I think that's one thing that AEW has done right is they keep people apart. If they touch, it's in a tag match. It's not a traditional match. And the the crowd is yearning for that traditional one-on-one. You know, the crowd is so over with and right. Like they want Hangman take the title from Omega so bad that the moment they do it, it is office gold for them. And that's they've they've got to do that. Um, and, and that's, I think you can have more than one of those going at a time because we've seen it in the oh, past yeah. and it, it's kind of like the, and I'm trying not to like dump on Cody, but it's like, we saw it with, uh, Brody Lee and we saw it, we're seeing it now with Malachi black. And we've seen it with really everyone Cody's gone against to where it's like here, my big, this, this is about my biggest fear when Christian announced he was signed with AW is Cody's going to beat him next week or he's going to beat Cody. And then the week after that, Cody's going to get his win back and go ahead. I'm so over Cody retiring. Remember when he dyed his hair black? Yeah, because that was supposed to be a nod to Superman returning after dying, and it's like Cody, you were gone two weeks. Yeah, you had black was, hair for one week. He was gone for like I want to say a month to film Go Big Show. Can I can I give a very controversial kind of tongue in cheek take? Go right ahead. Cody didn't want to be WWE because of the way he was treated by Triple H and by Vince, but mainly Triple H, he is set out on the path he is set on. And in that, Cody has become a lot like Triple H. Oh, yeah. And like, like Cody, Cody and Triple H to be best friends. It's kind of like parents who are like, I'm never going to treat my kids the way my, my parents treated me. And then it's like, oh, 
psych. I treat them just like that. And uh, I'm just like, it's one of those things. And you hear allegedly, I mean, you know, there's the rift between the elite and Cody that obviously, you know, there's the, the Bucks booking, there's Cody's booking and there's Tony's booking. Once again, we're not in there. So we don't oh. know. The Bucks and Cody should have nothing to do. A wrestler who is wrestling full time should have nothing in Booker's office. 100%. Because you, it's, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. If you're in a position to help people you like, you're probably going to help people you like. Right. You know, if I win the lottery, I'm probably going to give it to the people I'm closest with instead of, oh, I should probably go give it to people who really, really need it. Right. That's, you look at it with any booker that's ever been an active wrestler at the time they were booking. And that's, that's how it is. It needs to be someone who's retired. And you need, because you need someone who's been a wrestler to know how to book for wrestlers, but you also need someone who's not to keep them level-headed. Right. Because if you get someone who's bitter and it's like, well, no, because they remind me of so-and-so, so I'm not going to book them. They think a football player can just come in here and be a hot shot. Uh-uh, that's not going to happen. Well, you know, with AEW, let's, let's use them as an example. Tony Khan should be the face of it all, but the person booking the matches should be Dean Malenko. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example. <clears throat> the, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just disgusting everywhere. It's become the norm in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because WWE and WCW did it. And so it's trickled down to everywhere else. Same thing with, you know, Vince was the first you know, uh, management person to do what he did to be an on-screen TV character. And it's like, okay, well, now every company in the world is going to have that character. Right. Now, they may not necessarily be heel every time, but they're going to be on there nonetheless. To whereas back in territorial days, it's like, okay, so-and-so, you know, this retired person's going to be our commissioner, but they're not the actual booker. I mean, there's a reason Jack Tunney was WWF president on screen. Right. But he wasn't president in real life, allegedly. Well... You know, we could go on for hours about all of this, and I we've gone a long time on this, and but I think we got some good conversation in here. I think this was a really good uh, talk about it. Uh, You know, we want professional wrestling to be the best it can be, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to settle for anything less. Like the uh, said, you like you shut up about the rest of it and i like what i like yes i share my grievance i'm not gonna at you for liking wwe well you know it's 
that's just the the world we live in. Of course, there's a lot of people that think otherwise. But with that, uh, I think we should go ahead and take this home. Uh, got anything to plug there, Lando? I think after this episode, it's the perfect excuse for you guys to jump on and give us a call. Uh, once again, our phone number is 203-340-1352. Call, leave us a voicemail. We'll play that on air if it's appropriate. Um, and give us your thoughts on what you think WWE developmental should look like. What do you think <clears throat> creative and booking should look like? Um, we Like, we want all of that. I'm sorry. So... So this is a little bonus for you guys. Uh, Slammiversary is almost over. This is Jim Cornette. I can't remember if this is his debut or like right after he's been in TNA, but he comes out and he's making his entrance. So he had just had knee surgery. And so he is walking out with a cane and he gets excited and he's waving his arms and accidentally lets go. So his cane just flew into the crowd. And if you know Jim Cornette, you know that look on his face or there's a lot of four-letter words muttering under his breath. And now he's limping and you can tell he's trying to smile through the pain and he's trying to calm down before he gets on the mic. But you can tell he is furious because he just threw his cane into the crowd on live TV and he needs that cane to walk to the ring. <laughs> That's what I've got to plug. So anyway, uh, <laughs> call us voicemail, um, email us brothers, at gmail.com message us on Facebook. We'll read them. We'll read them. We would love to hear your voice on the podcast. plus, you know, if we like what you got to say, you on the podcast. So um, join the Patreon, $5 a month. Get all of this plus more. And with that, uh, that's it for me. You got anything else, Lando? Just a reminder, we've got two weeks left. So we've got today, which is episode 20. Next week, episode 21. Second week after that, episode 22. And then we're going to take a small break. And then we're going to be back better than ever with season three. And really, your voicemails, we're going to wait and air those on the debut of season three. All right. Well, let's send her home. Let's get a little bit of too sweet action in here. Let's, uh, let's, let's head to the house. All righty. Too sweet for life. Yeah.